Well, good morning, church. How are we? Good. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Joshua chapter 2? Joshua 2 is our text for today uh, as we continue in this series of stories that shape our faith. Uh, And today we find ourselves looking at the account of Rahab in the city of Jericho. Uh, But as you are turning in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2, Uh, I don't want to miss an opportunity uh, to celebrate what I believe is a long answer to prayer. Uh, This past Friday, we know because you have not lived under a rock that that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Uh, And I pray, yes, we, we thank God for that. To be clear, that is not the only and final step, but I do believe it is a big step in a right direction. Um, but I also know this, that as much as, as many of us believe that that is, is right and that we believe in the sanctity of life, no doubt there are people with a church given our size, there are people in this room who have experienced the pain of abortion. And I want to be clear with you, I love you and we love you. I am so sorry. Yes, please applaud that just as loud. I'm so sorry that that is a part of your story, but I promise you, we are a faith family who is committed to walking alongside you. I promise you, God has a plan for you and a plan for your life. Uh, We are a church. We are committed to being pro-life. But listen to me, pro-life does not mean just against abortion. Pro-life means to be for life, all of it, womb to tomb for all peoples. So church, now is the time for us and us being the big C church across the world to prove our pro-life stance. We've put together a good starting point on our church website as far as resources go. You can go to broadmoor.org or you can go to the Connect Center, one of those magnets that we gave you a while ago and you use your QR code to get you where you want to go. And there is a resource tab called Pregnancy Resources uh, and you will see a good starting point for us even today. But this is just a starting point. I am continuing to ask the Father to give us more opportunities to run to the hurting. I believe that that God will allow us, us as the church, to leverage our lives to do just that. Lord willing, on July 31st, you will hear more of a detailed action plan that our church is going to be offered to take. And when I say church, I don't mean 1531 Highland Colony Parkway. I mean you and me and us together. The church that exists outside of this one hour together. The real church of Christ that God is calling to rise up and be pro-life. Our homes, our paychecks, our vehicles, our lives. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. As the son of a single mom who had me very early in her life, I am thankful she chose life. I know that's a lot of our stories in this room. If you know my family's makeup, I am thankful that moms chose to give their children up for adoption so they can be loved. Oh, church, we have been blessed. 
we have rooms in our homes and rooms in our hearts. And I pray that this time next year, our church continues to look different because we have taken those who are hurting into our lives and committed to love them and walk with them the rest of their days. Oh, church, let us be a true church that runs to the hurting. Here's what I'd love to do now, even before we jump into the sermon, would you pray with me? And as I pray, would you agree? And would you pray and ask God to give us wisdom, give us opportunity, give us even favor with the community around us that we may be his true church and to be salt and light in a, in a dark and decaying world. Let's pray together, church. Father, I love you and I thank you. I thank you for my story. I thank you for our story. I thank you for the story of the church. God, you loved us when we had nothing to offer. We didn't carry your name. We didn't do right by you. Matter of fact, we didn't even like you. But while we were dead in our sin, you came at the right time and breathed life into us, loved us, and adopted us. And I thank you, God, that that is the story of every believer that has ever lived. Lord Jesus, may we echo that truth in how we live our lives how we spend our lives that you have trusted to us, how we leverage every breath that we have left in our homes and in our families and with our bank accounts and with our jobs and with our homes and our cars and all the things that you have trusted to us. God, may we leverage it to bring you most glory and the most good to our communities. I thank you for what happened Friday. I know there are so many people who do not agree that that is good. Oh, but God, let us prove your goodness and faithfulness to this world by not how we argue, but instead of how we live. Let us live submitted and faithful to you. Lord Jesus, we love you, and it is in your name that we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Church, I love you, and I am thankful to be your pastor, and I'm thankful to walk alongside you every day, and I'm thankful for this story today, this story that helps shape our faith. We are in Joshua chapter 2, uh, and this is the, the account of Rahab. Now, I'm going to set up the scene a little bit, okay? Everything up until this point, barring last Sunday, has been out of the Pentateuch, has been out of the, the books of the law that Moses writes for the people as they are traveling from Egypt heading towards the promised land. Well, Joshua is the book that happens right after Moses dies, and Joshua, who is Moses' right-hand man, becomes the leader of Israel. They're encamped right on the edge of the Jordan River in a town called Shittim. In this town, they are waiting to cross over that river to go into Canaan, which is where the promised land is. Right across the river is a really big fortified city that they have heard is mighty in every way named Jericho. Joshua knows, though, before they even get there, he knows that God has already given them the land because he told them. He told them in Joshua chapter 1. He's also told them three times, Joshua, 
only be strong and only be courageous. Didn't I tell you I would be with you? Didn't I tell you that everywhere that the, the sole of your feet land, that's the land that I'm going to give you. I'm telling you to trust me even before you see it. So Joshua, armed with that knowledge, decides to send two spies into the land, not to, to doubt whether God is faithful, but to see what they are up against. But little did Joshua know, little did the spies know, little did the woman that they are going to meet know, God has a master plan for what is about to unfold. And that's where we pick up today in Joshua chapter two. We're gonna read the entirety of the story and then come back and look at the high points of what God is doing here, okay? Joshua chapter two, starting in verse one. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies saying, go and view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of, er uh, of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, these men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And, and when the gate was about to close at dark, the men went out. I don't know where the men went, but pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax. She had laid an order in the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the forts. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Now before the men lay down, she came up to the roof and she said to the men, listen, I know that the Lord has given you this land and the fear of you has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Now, just to be clear here, nobody told Rahab that the spies were coming, but somehow she and all the people of Jericho knew that that land that they possessed, their fortified city wasn't theirs. It belonged to those who were coming. The king knew it too. That's why he was so afraid. But I want you to hear what she says and how she says it. I know the land, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you, the fear of the Israelites, the fear of the people of God has fallen upon us, us meaning Jericho. And all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. They are terrified that two men have entered this heavily fortified city. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Go back and read those stories. It's pretty incredible. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God. Listen to this. This is, this is a temple prostitute of Jericho saying these words. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and the earth beneath. Those are her words. She wasn't coached up to say these things. This is what is inside of her heart at this moment. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me that by the Lord, 
that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So she is begging for salvation. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even unto death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us this land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills where the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. And then afterward, you may go your way. And the men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that we uh, have, have made, that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house, listen, your father and mother, brothers, all of your household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. And we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is within your house... This bloodshed shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to the oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied a scarlet, a scarlet cord in the window. And they departed and went to the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. And the two men returned. And they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him what had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Okay, so that is this story of Rahab. Now there's a little bit more and we're gonna get to that in just a second, but there's some things I wanna highlight for us as we continue to move forward to show us the goodness and faithfulness of God and his sovereign hand over Joshua, over the people of Israel, over the spies, and of Rahab and her family. Number one, God was active in this redemption plan from the beginning of time. All right, so even before the spies showed up to Jericho, even before they came in to meet with Rahab, the people of Jericho knew their time was running short and that the land that they were on belonged to God's people. Why? Because they said, I know the Lord has given you this land. All right, so this, this is going to be an understatement until you read Joshua chapter 6 in its entirety. <clears throat> when we understand the fullness of the fortitude that Jericho held. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not a small city. This was not a small city wall that protected them. This would be a five-star place that would keep every invader at bay from a distance because even looking at the city, the people would want nothing to do with what was behind those walls because they knew that Jericho meant business. 
Yet two men of God, walking in unarmed, sent them afraid and terrified. The words that they use, melting in their shoes. See, God had already made it clear to Joshua and to Jericho that God had given them the land. All that had to happen was be obedient to what God told them to do. Church, don't miss that for your life today, for our lives today. Our goal is not to fight to get something that the Lord is in heaven saying, man, I hope it really works out for them. The Lord is not on pins and needles wondering how your life is going to unfold. Before the foundations of the world, he knew who you were and the days that you would live. Psalm 139, the psalm that we love to quote for sanctity of life that you were knit together in your mother's womb. We love that. But if you read it in its entirety, that is a psalm about the sovereignty of God. Church, we get to walk in the victory of our Savior, not the fear of the unknown tomorrow. Too many times we find ourselves nervous because we don't know what tomorrow holds, and we go ahead and project that on God, and we think maybe he doesn't know either. God knows what your tomorrow holds. Matter of fact, he holds it. Our job isn't to create a destiny for ourselves. Our job is to be faithful and obedient in the one that he has already marked out for us. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, I run the race that has been marked out before me. Church, are we running the race that has been marked out before us? Running fast and running hard, or do we find ourselves more pioneering this thing? Machete in our hand, trying to chop our way, trying to make it through, and we come out with thorns and thistles stuck in us, and we say, Lord, why did you do this? And he's like, that's the road I wanted you to take, and that's the road you took. The Lord gave them the plan. They just had to walk in it. Church, the Lord has given us the plan. We should just walk in it. Second thing I want you to see from the text today, there's no one story that God cannot redeem. Rahab was known as a prostitute. That's not a very honorable descriptor of occupation. But she was a lady with a bad reputation living among a people with bad reputations. But because of the grace of God, she not only found salvation, but she found a new legacy. Even with her bad reputation, even with all of her life choices up until that moment, God gave her a new story. God redeemed Rahab for his glory. Third thing I want you to see today is Rahab believed in the God of Israel. But that belief did not save her. Let me read that again. Rahab believed in the God of Israel, but that belief did not save her. Rahab's belief in God moved her to action, telling the spies how she felt about God and his might, making a covenant with the spies. I help you, you don't kill me. It was her faith lived out because of the belief that she had. Belief is not enough. More more to that in just a second. Hang on to that one. Fifth thing, Rahab did not let her past, being a pagan prostitute, 
get in the way of putting her faith into action. She knew that God was much bigger than her past. Church, there are too many of us today who believe because of what we've done has now disqualified us for what God is calling us to. If God knows your story, he knows the redemption plan that he is allowing you to walk through. Don't let the enemy make you believe that you are not worthy to carry the good news of Jesus Christ. It is not because of who we are and what we've done <clears throat> that gives us the opportunity to carry the gospel. It is because of who Jesus is and what he has done that gives us the worth to carry the gospel. Number six, because of her faith in action, God remembers her in the moment of salvation and in her future legacy. Go ahead and write these notes down if you're taking notes today. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Matthew 1, verse 5. What is Matthew chapter 1? It's the genealogy of Jesus. Wait a minute, Josh, are you telling me that, that Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus? Yep. God in grace not only gives her a new opportunity for life in the salvation, but gives her a new legacy. And she is listed not only in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, but also in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. What's Hebrews chapter 11 known, known as? The hall of fame of what? Of faith. Wait, 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 time out, Josh. You're telling me this pagan prostitute is in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11? Absolutely. Not because of who she was, but because of what God did. Church, that is still our story today. God is the hero and the sustainer of this account. When the spies showed up, Rahab said, the fear of you has fallen upon us. See, they, they, they weren't saying that the two spies had thrown them into great fear. They were saying that God's presence, which was already there, was scared them to death. This goes in line with Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul says this, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's not just a cute verse for your coffee mugs. That is a truth for the life of every believer. If God has said something about your life, it is final. If God says you are redeemed, you are redeemed. If God says that he has a plan for your life, that plan will not be thwarted. God is not just the hero of historical accounts of thousands of years ago. He is the hero today. He is the savior today. So, the same way as God called the Israelites to walk in confidence then. Have I not told you, Joshua, be only courageous. Be, be only firm in your faith. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. In the same way that he was called to walk in that confidence, church, we are called to walk in the same confidence today in our everyday life. But the story doesn't end where we left it. Continue on just a little bit more with me. Joshua chapter 6. Verse 21 and following. 
Joshua 6, 21 and following. So the spies had gone back to Joshua. They'd gotten the game plan. Now they're coming back, and, and this is where Jericho is falling. This is, this is where this is about to unfold, and, and Joshua is going to, to account for us what that, what that looked like, how that unfolded for them. And this is where we pick up Joshua chapter 6, verse 21 and following. Then they, that being Israel, devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who had belonged to her. And they all brought their relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord our church, don't miss this. You know how every week we tie these stories into the gospel message and what that looks like for us. This is how this story shapes our faith. We get it from these verses here, okay? So destruction was set for everyone and everything. Now you may be sitting here saying, as Joshua gave that descriptor, going back up here, they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, to the edge of the sword. You may hear that and think, oh, that sounds... Sounds harsh. That sounds unfair. That sounds mean. That sounds angry. Why would God do such a thing? Why would everyone have to die? Because Jericho was an enemy of God. And any enemy of God will be destroyed. Don't miss the parallels to the gospel. Every enemy of God will be destroyed, man or woman, young and old. Okay, Josh, I think I get where you're going. What makes one an enemy of God? Is it because you didn't say a prayer and come down front in a church and, and clap your hands at the church? No because that doesn't make you a family of God. What makes you an enemy of God is when you believe that you are better than he and you can do what he can do for you without him. Jericho did not see him, although they knew him. Josh, how do you know they knew him? Because they've said quite clearly, we know the God who has sent you and we are terrified of him. They knew about God. I know that the Lord has given you this land. The fear of you has fallen upon us, and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Everybody knew about God. But they were still enemies of God. All right, so why was Rahab and her family saved when all the rest of Jericho wasn't? Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. Don't miss this. 
But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she lived in Israel to this day. Here's the why. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. All right. She knew of God. She knew of his power. She knew of his might. She knew of his authority. She knew of his wrath. And she knew of his salvation. All of Jericho knew of those things I just mentioned to you. This knowledge affected them emotionally. What they knew about God terrified them. They were literally shaking with fear. So their knowledge of God and their emotion connected to their knowledge of God still didn't make them God's family. Are we still tracking with the parallels to the gospel? It is not the knowledge, nor is it emotion that makes us born again. It is the grace of God extended to us and the faith applied because the grace was extended. Rahab was not saved because of what she knew. She was not saved because of an emotional experience she had. She was saved by God's grace to her. Through her faith, in the God she knew about. That faith proved by her actions. What were her actions that set her apart from all of Jericho? Why did she and her family get saved and nobody else did? If they all knew and if they all were affected emotionally, what was different about her? Here's some things that she did that they didn't. She confessed that God was the one and true God. Confessing her need for salvation from the coming destruction, hiding the spies on the roof, helping them to escape, tying the scarlet rope from her window as she was directed, immediately as she was directed to do it. As our worship team comes back up and we head into this response time, I don't want you to miss the invitation that is offered here from the Word today, okay? If you know of the awesome power of God, that is wonderful. If you know that, if, if that knowledge has affected you emotionally, that's great. So if you know about him and you've been affected emotionally in some way, that's good. Now you're on par with enemies of God and demons. I don't say that as shock value. I say that as the truth of God's word. James is very clear that demons know who Jesus is, and they shudder. It is not about knowing him, knowing of him. It's not about being emotionally affected by fear. What do you mean by that? Let me, let me break it down just in case I'm missing somebody. Far too often, people have walked an aisle to say a prayer because they didn't want to go to hell because somebody painted a picture for them that eternity is going to be burning alive. And I don't want that, so I'm going to come do something to try to get away from that. Listen to me. Hell is not scary because of fire. Hell is scary because God's not there forever. Don't be fooled by your emotions. God is gracious to us, that he has come to us with grace. 
Josh, how are you saying that, that Rahab was graced? Those spies came to her. They could have gone anywhere, but they went to her, giving her the opportunity to confess, to ask to be saved, and to be obedient to the commands that were given to her, doing exactly what she was asked to do, proving the confession that she made. The question isn't, do you know things about God? But have you put your hope and trust in God through his son, Jesus Christ? Is your confessed faith proven by your actions? If the answer to that is no, if you sit here today and say, Josh, I'm 50 years old. When I was a kid, I came down front and I said a prayer and my church was excited and I got baptized. But there's nothing about my life since that day that even closely resembles what the Bible tells me my life should be. What do I do with that? I'm telling you, brother and sister, there's grace for you today. The word does not come down like a hammer on your head, but I pray that it comes to you like a pillow to lay that wounded head on. That if you are realizing that today, if you are realizing that now, that is grace to you. That we may repent of that empty word. And we ask God to make our hearts born again, that our, our lives may prove the confession of our life. We say we love Jesus, but does our life back it up? We say our lives belong to him. But if you took a step back and you evaluated your life, who does your life really belong to? You see, this is a story that shapes our faith because there was a whole city who knew of God. They knew he was the only God. They were terrified of him and that still didn't save them. I'm not asking you to try harder or do better. Don't hear that. I'm asking you to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. If you go back and you ask that question again, have I put my hope and trust in him? And the answer is yes. Then I would say you praise God for continuing to show you evidence of your salvation. Church, there is no one in this room or on this planet that is beyond the grace and the redemption of Jesus Christ. The offer is here and it is available today but it won't be offered forever. That is not a scare tactic. I'm just telling you there's going to be a day that you stop breathing or the Lord Jesus comes back and the offer of salvation will be over. Please do not wait until, and here's what the enemy wants you to think. I'm just so messed up, I need to get my life right before I come to the Lord. What? That's why you need to come to the Lord. But how often do we say, I'm so broken, I can't come to the Lord. I'm so dirty, I'm so sinful. Let me, let me make it even easier for you. You're dead. But Jesus and his grace will breathe life into you. The question is, what will you do with the offer of a relationship with Jesus Christ that stands before you today? Church, I beg you with all that I am, 
Repent and put your hope in Christ today. Let your every day prove that you trust him more and more. I love this account of Rahab. I love the fact that she was a temple prostitute. Spies didn't come to the holy people of the land. By God's grace, they came to the most broken. And in God's grace, offered to her salvation, and readily she received God's offer of salvation to her. How? How do we know? How do we know it was real? Well, because she did what she was commanded to do. Put the scarlet thread in the window that you put us down so that when we come back, we see where the judgment will pass over. Oh, guys. Scarlet thread out a window that when destruction comes, they see the scarlet color and they know that house is safe. Ladies and gentlemen, the blood of Jesus is scarlet and it covers the doorpost of our hearts. And there is coming a day of destruction. And the only thing that will save you and I from the wrath of that destruction is the scarlet blood applied to our heart. So, not what have you done for him, how hard you've worked for him. The first question is, have you put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ? Today's the day. I beg you, if you have not, Repent of your sin, put your hope and trust in Christ, and walk in his ways and see the miraculous work that he has done in your life. If the answer to that is, Josh, I've already done that, then praise God today and every day for showing you more evidence of the salvation that he has trusted to you. And don't just sit on it. Take it and share it with a world who is in desperate need to know that they can be redeemed, they can be saved, and they can be restored. Church, would you pray with me now as we move into this invitation time? Father, we do love you and we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity today. I thank you for Rahab. I thank you for the account of Joshua chapter 2 and Joshua chapter 6. God, I know, I know that even when I read that part in Joshua 6, whenever the whole city was devoted to be destroyed, every man, every woman, young and old, everyone was going to be destroyed except the one who had the scarlet thread hanging from that window. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray across this room today that there are people here that may not have the blood of Christ applied to their heart. Lord, I pray that today they surrender themselves with humility and they ask for that salvation that's readily available. And today would be the day of their salvation. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not a work of man, so no one can boast. So, Lord God, we thank you for that grace extended to us. I pray that in that grace, we walk in faith and accept it. And we walk in faith and prove it with every breath that we have left. For your glory and our good. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. And we now stand and respond. Church, would you stand with me?